Welcome back to Beat Seeker. I'm your host, Matt McButter. In each episode, we explore the shifting world of music with world-renowned experts and artists to take you deep, deep inside the fascinating and changing world of music technology and music discovery. And I'm your host, Mike Weider, reminding you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating if you like the episode. You can visit our website at beatseeker.fm where you'll find plenty of rabbit holes with extra content to dive into, guest backgrounds, and even a playlist with music recommendations from each of our guest episodes. Also, Beatseeker swag. You can stay current and talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BeatseekerPod. Can the music industry come together to lower our carbon footprint and save the planet? A unique organization is working to transform the music industry to address our climate emergency because in their words, there is no music on a dead planet. Here to tell us about this initiative is Faye Milton. Faye is a co-founder of Music Declares Emergency, a group of artists, music industry professionals, and organizations that stand together to declare a climate and ecological emergency and call for an immediate governmental response. She's a presenter of the Music and Climate podcast, Sounds Like a Plan, produced by New Allotment. Faye is also a drummer and music producer, having played in a Mercury-nominated apocalyptic post-punk band. She joins us from London, England. Faye, thanks for joining us on Beat Seeker. Thanks for having me. Faye, musicians have long played an important role in driving social movements. This, that's nothing new. I, you know, most have used their own music or maybe organized a festival around a cause as a way to get their message out. But you've taken this a step further and started a group to organize the music industry at large to address climate change. Can you tell us about Music Declares Emergency and how it got started? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Music Declares Emergency is an organization that was started with by me and some other colleagues um, in 2019. And the idea is to unite the music industry around a declaration. So we have a declaration that's based on net zero targets, calling on governments to take urgent action, acknowledging the music industry's role in um, our own carbon emissions and committing to take urgent action on those, and also uh, recognizing the global injustices that have led to the climate crisis, plus some stuff around communicating truthfully the climate crisis as well. So what got us started? Well, it felt like nothing was happening on climate change for years and years and years. Naomi Klein put out her amazing book, This Changes Everything, but looking around, it felt like nothing was changing. No one was talking about climate change at all. Um, until 2019, where suddenly there was this uprising. I think it was following the IPCC report saying we had 12 years left to fix the climate problems. And that really catalyzed people into saying, oh, shit, this has to, you know, things have to happen now. So what we saw in the UK was a, a massive rise in um, climate change being mentioned on, you know, in media. Um, there was uh, the movement Extinction Rebellion. There was Fridays for Future. There was Greta Thunberg. All of these people really communicating climate issues um, in a much more urgent way than had been done before. Mm-hmm. So that was not only it was, it was a brilliant sort of melting pot all of the people who care about climate to come out of the woodwork and actually meet each other. So suddenly we were on the streets in protests and finding other people from the music industry saying, hey, I know you. Oh, right. Okay. You care about this as well. Because 
one of the things we don't necessarily do is, is talk about climate change a lot. So we wouldn't necessarily know our colleagues that next to us also cares about the same sure, issues yeah. or certainly someone from a different company. So all of these people from the music industry found each other um, during that time in a very short, short period of time. And then we, yeah, I, I actually had to leave some of the protests and go overseas. I was drumming with a band called Let's Eat Grandma. and We played Coachella that year and we were over at Coachella. I could see all this stuff kicking off in the UK. And I looked around at this music industry around me and I thought, okay, the music industry is not facing reality here. And I'm all for a bit of, you know, escapism and fantasy and music. That's great. And it's part of the beauty of it. But at the same time, there's a difference between escapism and just burying your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. So I was really motivated when I got back to do something in music. Um, and as I said, I've met all these people from the music industry as part of the protest. And we quickly formed a group called Music Declares Emergency. Now, there was already a group called Culture Declares Emergency who had got loads of the cultural institutions in the UK to declare a climate and ecological emergency. So things like the Tate Gallery and uh, the, the Royal Shakespeare Company to come together and say, we're declaring an emergency. And we thought, okay, this is a brilliant model. Um, music needs its own space. We're a very egotistical industry. <laughs> we like to have our own things. So um, we started Music Declares Emergency. And we, first of all, we, we wrote the declaration. Um, and then we uh, basically, before we launched, rallied around every contact we knew. Everyone opened up their address books. We worked with a, a quite an established organisation called Julie's Bicycle in the UK, who are a, a sustainability charity, um, who opened up their address books as well. And we got almost the whole of the UK music industry to sign up to the declaration before we launched. So the major labels, uh, Warner, Universal, Sony, Beggars Group, um, just tons of indie labels. And then it really importantly, on top of that, loads and loads and loads of artists so we had can you share some stats um, how, what do you mean by loads of artists i mean just ballpark uh how many artists <laughs> would you say have joined or have signed the declaration and uh you know get, maybe give us an example or two of some some highlights or some some high yeah profilers. absolutely i always find it like completely like my brain freezes when i try and mention which artists have signed up because we've had over three and a half thousand artists sign. And wow. that's everyone from huge superstars like Billie Eilish and Radiohead um, through to um, grassroots artists. So like hundreds of group grassroots artists. I think some highlights for me are, um, hold on. <laughs> it's completely blank. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get the list in front of me. I used to write a list of artists. Well, that's a that's a considerable list. I mean, thirty five over thirty five hundred <laughs> yeah. artists. That's that that's what we were looking yeah. for. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, yeah, it's exactly. But I will say that the really exciting thing about it is that it's artists from every genre. So we've we've had you know the London Symphony Orchestra assigned, mm. Napalm Death metal band assigned. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's like right across music. And, and, and you talked the about the UK, but, but it seems like a lot of these artists, I'm just looking at your website now, are based in the US, based all over the place. So it's not, it's not necessarily a UK-specific uh, movement. 
No, absolutely not, because the music industry is global, well, international. Obviously, uh, there's a difference between international and global, but it's we're, we're working in an international industry. Right. And we have now got groups over four continents. So we do actually wow. have a Music Declares Emergency group in Canada and the US. We've also got one in Chile. We've got one in Portugal, Germany, Netherlands, Poland, and again, the list escapes me. But it's um, a really exciting sort of growing international movement with different countries coming up all the time, independent groups saying, we want to start this in our territory. And that's that's brilliant because every territory has different issues, different ways of communicating things. So, sure. yeah. Now, I can imagine that being a musician uh, and being a climate activist, there's this potential maybe for people to call into question this, the conflict there. Like on one hand, you're, you're touring around the world, going to Coachella. On the, other, on the <laughs> other hand, you're trying to reduce carbon consumption. Like how did you square that yourself? And, and maybe can you talk a little bit about how the organization is helping to reduce the footprint of the music industry itself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I try not to fly now. Um, it might change a bit next year because we want to spread the message a bit wider, but I've been trying not to fly for a few years. Um, I say try not to fly, I think I've taken like one or two flights when I, I got stuck in Europe in the pandemic and I couldn't get to train back and I had to fly. Um, but yeah, my, my historically, my carbon footprint is like enormous and far too big for one person. It's like, I can't do anything about that historically now. Um, but it's huge because I've toured before I toured, I traveled, you know, it's an era where young people were traveling, cheap flights, flying all over the world, to Thailand and Japan and, you know, really making the most of it. And that's actually one of the reasons I feel it's my responsibility to take action in this area. I wasn't aware of how deep and serious the issues were when I was doing all of this stuff. Um, and, I feel like I've taken up way more than my fair share. I think most people in developed countries have already taken up way more of our fair share away from, um, you know, poorer countries, rich countries use so much more uh, carbon, et cetera, just in daily life. So it's not just flying, but it's, it's the whole of our lifestyles is um, massively consuming carbon. But, you know, it, you can't, none of us are to blame personally. We didn't make the rules, you know, we didn't, create the system individually so looking at things like individual blame is you know it's fruitless really it doesn't it's not going to get you anywhere um what you can do is say okay this is what's this is what i've created in my life what can i do to um you know make some positive action now so you, know, you can't go back into the past but you can take positive action ongoing um but i will say it's it's a huge question for musicians um I want to speak out about climate, but I can't because I fly all the time and people are going to call me a hypocrite. That was the first question right. that people asked us and people asked us, you know, every single day we get the same, um, the same worries. And yeah, it is, it is a worry for people and it's a legitimate worry because call out culture is horrific. People are constantly hounded by people on social media. It's just, you know, trolling and all of this stuff. Everyone's got their opinion. It's the culture we're in for people to be flying accusations at each other. But the really important thing to think about and remember with touring musicians is that the really simple thing is if a musician doesn't go to their audience, their audience will come to them. 
So right. if you have an artist, say like, I'm going to use the example of the 1975, the massive supporters of what we do. They're trying to tour in a, in a much more sort of carbon positive way. Um, but if they don't tour, they've got fans all over the world. And lots of those fans will have enough money to fly. And they'll be flying from everywhere, from Australia, from Singapore, hundreds of thousands of people to come and see a band. And that doesn't make any sense. So it's actually way more efficient for the band. Bring the one artist to to the the fans versus bring millions of fans to the artist. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. And there's there's another thing that is, um, that's, you know, on a smaller scale, it's the same thing, um, the same problem, but it really helps to um, uh, describe what people mean by a systemic problem. So when people talk about climate change, they often say, oh, it's a systemic problem. We need systems change. It's very baffling sometimes to really know what that means. Uh, yeah. It sounds very, it sounds great, but what does that mean? So um, you can look at it like this. So in, say a, a band is playing in the UK, or let's say in the States, and they've flown there, okay, they've, they've had their carbon emissions, but the most emissions will come from the audience traveling from their homes to the show. Now, that is unavoidable because we don't have a completely carbon and emission-free transport system. So that's a system that we're stuck in right. that needs changing. So when people say the system needs to change, it's things like our transport system, how we you know, create energy. So we're all trapped in this thing. And to anyone listening, you know, if you've been to see an artist who's not from your hometown, you've contributed to that system. And it's not something to feel guilty about. It's just a reason to not point a finger at musicians. Um, and of course, it's, it's musicians plus their crews, plus their management, plus their record labels. It's, it's a whole industry that is doing all of that traveling, not just the artists. So, right. um, so yeah. And there's probably, I guess, ways that people can hold these, you know, large festivals in the summer too, in more um, ecologically responsible ways. Like I remember, I was at a, I was at a, um, a concert called Pickathon in Portland, Oregon, and you, when you went to go buy a beer, basically you had to buy a metal, you know, uh, tin, which was your beer cup for the entire mm. night. When you went to go eat somewhere, they, you basically, you, you got dishes and you had to go wash them after and bring them back. Like it oh was a whole other level. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never experienced this before. So are, do you think that, um, the music industry itself as well as maybe that's on the extreme side, but taking steps to sort of reduce the footprint of, you know, their activities. Um, Sometimes avoiding flights, as you say, is kind of hard, but you know, there's other things. Yeah, absolutely. I think festivals are a really great example. Festivals are like tiny Petri dishes for wider society. You know, you can test out ideas that you could then roll out to a city. You could test it in a festival, um, things like returning your cup. You know, we, we always use these throwaway plastic cups at gigs all across the city. And then you go to a festival and they've got, you know, you return your cup and you're like, oh, okay, you can do that. So that can be rolled out to other places. And there's tons and tons of sustainability work that festivals are doing. Um, there's some great organizations like the Greener Festival and Vision 2025. Um, and they're working towards the big things like bringing uh, electric power to festivals so they don't have to run off generators oh, okay, so that's one yeah. of the biggest issues but again audience travel is one of the biggest issues so there we are back in the a full circle 
I wanted to ask you a little bit about, since this is a tech podcast, we wanted to chat a little bit about streaming and versus, you know, we used to get CDs and records or we still get records, but um, mostly 99% of people's music consumption is now on Spotify or Apple Music. And I was reading a little bit about this and it seems like it's not a clear issue. Like is Spotify uh, better or worse for the environment and love to get your take on it. And also maybe as a fan, what are, what are, how should we view this, uh, this issue? Yeah, that's a big one. Um, And the, the short answer is that nobody knows it's, it's basically, um, a huge amount of work needs to be done in the digital sector to audit how much energy is being used and to work out how to reduce it. Um, It's just incredibly complicated. When we had our new website put in, we just asked a simple question to our developer, can we host our website on a green server, you know, using renewable energy? And he said, sure, shouldn't be a problem. Let me check it out. And he ended up writing two enormously long blog posts about how it's impossible to actually ascertain where the energy is coming from for your server. It's very, very complicated. And I'll do a hash job of explaining it, but it's it's certain things like buying carbon credits that are sold on nationwide levels and all of this kind of um, really complicated stuff. So yeah, there are statistics around this stuff. Apparently, if you listen to a vinyl record 35 times, it's or you stream it 35 times that's when they reach level emissions so if you're going to listen to it 36 times then buying the vinyl is hmm, the agreed option the break even. streaming yeah. that's it's the carbon the break, break even, even. <laughs> obviously this is such a loose statistic mm-hmm, there's right. no one amount of emissions for a vinyl it depends where you bought it from how heavy the vinyl is what plastic it's made out of it depends what you're streaming on. It depends what, it just, there's so many variables sure. that that number is like so throwaway. But there certainly are um, some really exciting innovations in this area um, yeah. as well as the big gap in knowledge that I think it would be really good if, if uh, um, you know, the, the big companies are spotted. Yeah. Well, I noticed that if they uh, neither... Gaps that neither Apple or Spotify were on your list of industry partners who have signed the declaration. Is that because you didn't ask or that uh, they declined? (laughs) Um, Actually, I think it's because we haven't asked. Um, We, we didn't approach those companies directly straight away. Um, And they're huge, huge, huge corporations. So it's not, necessarily is that the bigger you are the more complicated it is to sign something so i know that there certainly are green initiatives in these organizations um certainly spotify i've heard of them but um we would love them to sign our declaration calling for net zero emissions but most of all i think the most useful thing would really be to have some really good research that they could fund and they're probably already doing it but to put that information out to help people understand how to reduce and so that they can be maybe provide some um, transparency on what what their impact is and how they're planning to reduce it because I do, I, I believe that these companies do you know tend yeah they it. they have both made um, declarations that they would be carbon neutral um, by I think 2030 but it's it's somewhat unclear as to how they get there. I think a lot of it is by buying offsets from other entities, which offsets 
the emissions that they would be producing and providing the the, the service itself. Um, and, and, you know, so yeah. so I, there's no, I mean, they're they're operating these servers and powering basically ninety percent of our listening. So there's there's no way it's going to be actually zero carbon consumption. No, absolutely not. It would be impossible for it to be. But also, um, you know, how everyone's streaming on their phones and devices and there's, there's all these things that they can't control as well. So it, that's also part of their um, sort of different scopes of emissions. So it's. I think the, the key thing is to be really, everyone just needs to be really upfront and honest that they're not perfect and talk about things and make information as open as possible because there are, brilliant minds everywhere all across the world who solve problems and Mm -hmm. find solutions so the more that information is shared the better um but yeah there's some really exciting innovations in the sector that um some of which we've partnered with in the last year with music to players emergency so one of which is um new bioplastic vinyls um in fact not vinyls because vinyls are type of plastic so bioplastic records so 12 inch records um that can be made out of plastic that's not had sorry that can be made out of a plastic that's plant-based um we launched the first bioplastic record ever this year with a company called evolution music and we also did it with secretly and ninja tune record labels so we had bicep adrian olson black country new road and porridge radio on the record and that was just to say look this is possible we can make records without using fossil fuels. Um, so that's brilliant. Um, and also hmm. there's a really exciting new innovation in Web3 formats, which is with a company called Serenade. So they operate on an incredibly low carbon and low emission and low energy use blockchain. Um, and they offer a new format called digital pressings. So there is a unique web3 products that can have all sorts of things in like nfts and web3 things can so it's sort of beyond what what you're stuck with with a physical format um but they also have scarcity value so you can you know buy and trade and do all the stuff that you can do collectibles and they've got just collectibles exactly and they've got an incredibly small carbon footprint so it's like the the crossover point between one vinyl and one digital pressing is like two million mm. digital pressings or something. I don't know what the actual figure, I was just trying to Google it quickly then because I should know. Um, but it's like a number that's so wildly big, you don't, you know, it could be whatever. It's just a lot, 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 lot smaller. Mm-hmm. So that's a really exciting um, thing that hopefully will be brought into part of uh, what an artist can, um, I was going to say sell to their fans, that sounds a bit mercenary, but, you know, people, fans want to support the artists that they love and they know that sure. they're not yeah. doing it massively through streaming. Um, so people do want to buy things and own something and it's all of that stuff and support their favorite artists. So offering products that, you know, are really eco-friendly is a brilliant way of doing that and, you mm-hmm. know, might replace a t-shirt or might replace a cassette, right. mm-hmm. yeah. you know, Makes sense. might not necessarily replace vinyl. So it sounds like, uh, you know, one part of uh, Music Declares Emergency's mission is sort of getting the music industry's house in order, right? More of a, you know, from the, maybe call it from the ground up or more of a grassroots thing. Mm. But another part is about driving change. Maybe it's more top down, like with governments, um, the advocacy piece. So 
Um, tell us what you're doing to to drive change, that more kind of top-down change or, you know, uh, advocacy with with governmental groups or or other groups like that. Or consumers, yeah. Yeah. Consum- yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're the music industry, right? So sustainability is important in every single industry, but we're not the shipping industry. We're the music industry. We're the coolest industry. We've got the biggest voice. We've got the most cultural influence out of any industry. We're huge in power and soft power compared to really compared to what our actually fundamentally what our emissions are. You know, sustainability is incredibly important and you can't do the work of speaking out and advocating for climate action if you're not keeping our own house in order. So the two things go hand in hand. But we've got so much latent power to make change in the world. And that's one of Music Declares Emergency's sort of key missions, really, is to use the advocacy power, make it easy for people to speak out together, to avoid those potholes of being called a hypocrite and all of that stuff, to create a No Music on a Dead Planet campaign is there to help people speak out together as an industry, but as musicians, as a movement of people. And it's obviously, it's international now. But we have, um, you know, as I said earlier, Napalm Death on one hand and Mm -hmm. the LSO on the other hand, speaking out in the same week, using the same message, talking to their fans. And yeah, they, music's not the same as, music audiences are not the same as other demographics. Someone might have the LSO and Napalm Death on their playlist. Mm-hmm. might not be on the same playlist but you know we're our music tastes are so wild and and free especially nowadays in the days of the streaming that we take our cultural influences from all over the place but music for sure is so culturally influential so yeah what we do is work to advocate within the music industry so we speak to partners in the music industry all of the time um helping to make those connections, helping to let people know that there is a group who can help them create that message. Um, another new campaign that we've got is an artist media training. So it's helping uh, a media training basically for artists, but around climate issues. So it helps artists one-on-one speak out, learn what their message is, work with messaging experts on what the um basically what the most up-to-date, interesting and engaging things are to say around climate issues, but without having to um, say anything that might damage your career and also not say things that put people off or make them feel depressed or scared or all of those things about empowering messages that actually help people and inspire people to take action. So that's something we're, we're launching now but that will be going through the next year or two got it so you're the the artists that have signed up to this basically you you, what you're trying to do is help them communicate with their fans and arming Mm. them with messages and communications one that could have uh, a common repeated message across the network but secondly that maybe assist them in crafting the words so they're not doing this from scratch yeah, absolutely. And one of, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it was three or four years ago now that we had 12 years left. So, you know, you mm-hmm. do the math as you yeah. say on how much time we've got. So there's no time for people to replicate work. We don't have to all make this up, you know, from scratch. There's so much information. There's so much 
incredibly well-researched messaging and and advice out there and with sort of really getting that information to artists and to music industry um, bodies so that they don't have to do that, in, you know, all of that research from scratch, mm-hmm. but also so the music industry isn't, you know, say there's um, a festival and someone comes out on stage and says this about, and someone says that and someone says something else, the audience is going to go home completely confused. So it's about really streamlining that messaging to create a coherent voice mm-hmm. from the music industry around climate issues yeah. and the I mean, environment. S- some artists have made environmental advocacy, you know, a huge part of their message. I'm thinking, you know, Joni Mitchell dating back to the 60s, mm-hmm. for example. I, I also saw this article, or maybe not so much um, an article as a kind of Prius integration with with Rolling Stone, but it cited all the green movements of of different artists or the, um, you know, d- things that they're doing to kind of be more be more green and more environmentally responsible. Artists from Dave Matthews to Adele to U2, Fish, a whole bunch of them. Um, who are some of the artists that that you think are making the biggest impact, positive impact to the environmental movement out there? Well, that's really interesting because I think there's so many different ways to make impact. Now, um, the first artist that pops into my head is Billie Eilish. She obviously has an enormous, enormous platform and works really hard not only to use that platform to talk about climate issues in a really creative way that's really sort of woven into her work, but also to do some do the work around it as well. So at the O2 shows in the UK, I don't know if this was in every country, so the big arena shows that she did, there was no... Um, meat was sold so usually at the venue they sell burgers etc that was all turned into vegan food for the duration of the five or six gigs I think it was so that's a lot of people through the doors um but also organizing with with her mum who does a lot of the work Maggie um a a climate conference so that was some some really you know depth and breadth from the Billie Eilish camp but, you know, Billie Eilish has this huge platform and tons and tons of people that she can employ and work with and her team and all of this stuff. So it's, it's brilliant work, but some of that work is being done by much smaller artists with much fewer, far fewer resources as well. So there are artists who turn up to, um, to sorry, one second. I've got the word protests. There are artists who turn up to protest and drag their gear there and really to turn up with everything and put a gig on in like the weirdest, um, you know, circumstances and risk an awful lot and, you know, pay their own money to do so, to pay for their taxis or however they're getting there and back. It's not easy to drag your instruments to a protest. Um, and that will be tons and tons of smaller artists over the world, basically. There's... Um, an organization called Climate Live, which is global, and that's a youth-based climate music um, organization. And they have, in the UK, they have a band called Second Thoughts who play with them a lot. And they're a, a smaller band, but they turn up, they do the work, and they play atop of a, uh, it's very, very British, they're atop a, a double-decker bus mm-hmm. <laughs> that's nah. wrapped in it's got an eco engine and all sorts. So they turn up to festivals and play. Um, there's a, one of my new favorite bands is a band called Bob Villain. Um, their lyrics and their work is loads of it's around sort of 
you know, they're a hardcore band basically, but their lyrics are around eating healthy. That's not easy. That's not easy to get, you know, this kind of mm-hmm. climate change message into hardcore music and just to really use that um, sort of masculine energy oh, to yeah. give Funny. a message that, yeah. <laughs> that, that reminds me, I don't know if they're, if they're, if that's just the name is a take on, on Dylan or if they're, they cover it, but I don't know if you've heard of also Max Sabbath, which is the, Black Sabbath cover band <laughs> yeah. where they're all dressed as the the old characters from from McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I, I haven't an heard of them, band. but I really want to hear. Them. You, yeah. You know what? You have to take a look, like Google them afterwards, and, and watch a couple of their videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Max Sabbath. They're 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 like they look like they'd be a lot of fun to actually see. They'd be a riot. I love that. Um, I love that. Just wanted to also get your take on you know, and there there's been. A, a series of pretty high profile, I mean, they're trying to destroy art, this uh, Just Stop Oil, um, you know, yeah. movement where they're gluing themselves to masterpieces and dumping tomato soup on it. What's your, your you know, take on on that as a, you know, as a, as a means to, I guess, raise awareness and a uh, pretty radical approach to uh, raising awareness yeah, on this well, issue? You know, thanks thanks to them, they're they're radical. So no one looks at music declares emergency as being radical. You know, if we were the most radical there was in the climate movement, then we've got a problem. So the, a movement, any kind of movement for social change or you know justice and rights, it needs it needs people across the board, and they are. I mean kind of at the more radical end. But if you look at um, the, the suffragettes, they were smashing windows and burning things down. You know, they were doing much more radical stuff. Not more radical, but more destructive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very, as a society, we're very, um, we're quite uptight, I think. So this mm-hmm. thing, it's, it's, I think it's hilarious that, and amazing that they managed to get global news coverage and millions upon millions and millions of hits and conversations and discussions around their piece of activism that didn't hurt anyone. It didn't damage anything. And it was kind of cool, right? It was like they were using art. They were using like the iconography of art, the Campbell soup, the, you know, these paintings that are world renowned, but also the messages like we, we, everyone was terrified about the, did the painting get damaged and et cetera. But, Amazon's being damaged every day. Like the Amazon is so much more valuable than, I love those paintings, but it's a painting. People, that's not putting the air in our lungs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's beautiful. It's great to look at, but no one's going to die if that painting got damaged. But every single day, the earth is being damaged in such a serious way. But it's like, there's this kind of comic I mean, it's darkly comedic, but this darkly comedic <laughs> thing that it's like, oh, oh, they might damage a painting. It's like, come on, okay. Like the sea is acidic and warm. <laughs> <laughs> come on, things yeah. are damaged all the time. But you know, right. it's on on a more serious note. I think it's a brilliant piece of activism. They got loads and loads and loads and loads of attention. I think their T-shirt said "Just Stop Oil." It's a simple message. It's a strange world we live in that people don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they, they, they raise a lot of attention. I think you're right. I think people do, 
do get it. I mean, it, it worked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so Faye, you guys have been at this now for, for th- over three years. Um, what are your, you, you've had some amazing accomplishments signing up over 3000 artists and, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on what, what's next? Like what in your wildest dreams, what would you, you know, beyond getting us to carbon neutral or negative <laughs> by 2030, <laughs> what, what do you want to accomplish as an organization, um, over the next, I don't know, three to five years? Well, it's a, it's a brilliant question. I think, you know, to see, music movements really moving the dial on public opinion over you know looking at the history of that and the rich history of how that's happened i think you know public opinion can change in a heartbeat and it it can and it does and those tipping points in culture you know Mm. there's tipping points in climate that are fucking terrifying there's like when the ice caps melt and the sea starts warming quicker and all of this stuff but the tipping points in culture can happen just as quickly and moving towards those tipping points. It takes hard work. It takes relentlessly saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. It takes having a hugely thick skin and having people ignore your emails and say no to you or all this kind of stuff, fruitless Zoom calls that come to nothing. It takes relentless stuff like that. But then you get these moments where three or four things happen at the same time and then you get change. You sort of, you can't really, all you can do to plan for them is to keep doing the work and keep encouraging people and saying this, you know, everything is at stake. Mm-hmm. And like the very air we breathe is at stake. <laughs> it's insane to even think about what's at stake. And just the more and more people one by one just take it on and start thinking about it and using their their brain resources, their physical and their you know, working resources to work towards uh, a goal that, you know, we do keep life on this planet and keep, uh, you know, sustain our own ways of life. I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal, but I think mm-hmm. cultural tipping points and having those real cultural moments can happen. They take so much work in the background and then they look like they happen just by magic. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's... That's what I'm hoping for is for, for this work to to really um, have that moment um, mm-hmm. and to to just build it and build it and build it to, to create a place that people can also feel that they can come together and talk about the fear and the worry and all of this stuff that is is going to be with us for the rest of our lives, unfortunately. So it's, it's yeah. you know, we're a feature-based organisation. Well, on behalf of all living beings on this planet, I hope we reach that <laughs> cultural tipping point before we reach the uh, the other tipping point or point of no return with uh, you know dis- destruction of the planet. Obviously, it's um, like it's like a film where it's like it's all left to the last moment and, yeah. and everything's so dramatic. Yeah. It's like that's yeah. just how humans do things. Yeah. So yeah. We're procrastinators. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Faye, we also like to ask our guests if they have a music recommendation. So, can you give us something to throw on our guest picks playlist? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I'm obsessed with this artist. I hate it when people say obsessed. I'm not obsessed. I just really like this artist called Berwyn. Um, B-E-R-W-Y-N. I saw him play at Glastonbury and everything went wrong. His keyboard player didn't show up. His sound wasn't working. And he came out on stage and just delivered the most like beautiful, meaningful, 
like the heartstring tugging performance. It's um, I, I find it hard to describe his music because it feels like you should say it's rap. There is an element of rap, but it's also singing. It's very lyrical um, and just very heartfelt, beautiful music. So yeah, check out Berwin. Um, we'll do. Awesome. Artist from the UK. All right. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, if our listeners want to follow you or your work, where would you like them to go? Okay, so www.musicdeclares.net. So that's musicdeclares.net. Um, that's our website. You can find out about all of our campaigns there. There's a little uh, flag in the corner. If you click that, then you can click on Canada. So you can find out about what Canada MDE is doing as well. We're also on social media. We search at Music Declares on any of the platforms you use. If we're on that platform, we'll come up. Um, there's also Music Declares Emergency Canada. Um, if you search, type that in, you should find that. Um, if you type those things in, you should find them there as well. Great. And and for other countries, the same thing. They Click on the flag and the other countries that you're in. Our, yeah. Our listeners who are listening Absolutely. from there can go check it out. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you're, you're not just based in Canada. So That's yeah, right. We're, we're in Canada, but our listeners are all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good such is, yeah. such is the internet. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, Faye, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You've been listening to Beat Seeker with your hosts, Matt McButter and Mike Wider you like the show go to apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button while you're there leave us a rating and a comment and share it with your friends and colleagues if you want to dig deeper into this content visit beatseeker.fm that's b-e-a-t seeker.fm interact with us on social media at beatseekerpod beatseeker is recorded in the devil lake studios and the tunnel under arundel The show is produced by Matt McButter, Mike Wider, and Kate McCartney. Thanks for tuning in, and keep seeking.